Welcome to Try This at Home with Leslie and Leslin, a podcast that offers you tips and tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating a better life. Hi, this is Leslin from Try This at Home. Recently, there was a small shit show on TikTok when a creator attempted to explain a facet of what's called narcissistic abuse. And several viewers, many of whom are recovering from a narcissistic relationship, felt as if she was victim blaming. And I have been itching to talk about this. So today we are. Go ahead and grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in. Good morning, Les. This is probably a record for us, how on the earliest we've ever connected to record. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't know that we've ever done this. It is 7.30 in the morning on a Monday morning, no less, when we're recording this. Yes. (laughs) So God bless us for having such busy lives that this was the only time we could crawl into our closets and talk. (laughs) Right? Oh my God. So funny. Well, and you know, I thought that it was going to be kind of a normal week, but all of a sudden, you know, people can book appointments online with me. And all of a sudden, like six people just filled up my schedule anytime that was left there. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, for sure. But I will say that uh, it all of a sudden I thought, oh, shoot, time is going to be super limited. So yeah, I'm happy to talk to you this morning. Yeah, same. So this was, I, you know, I touched base with you briefly and I said, hey, there's this thing going on and I really want to talk about it. But before we actually get to the TikTok elements, victim blaming is a very serious issue. Yes, for sure. And I thought it would be good for us to, because it's not something we've ever really talked about. No, no. And it's, I'm actually surprised by that now that I think about it. So what I think is interesting is that it's starting to expand. I mean, what do you think when you think of victim blaming? I think the classic example uh, recently, maybe in the last few years and the things that you hear about is in regards to women who have been raped or abused and People will say, well, look at what she was wearing. Or, you know, just something like that. Just commenting on something like, well, if she hadn't been wearing a short skirt, or sometimes you hear people say, well, look at that. She was asking for it. And obviously, nobody's asking for that. But that's what immediately comes to mind when I think of victims. Right. Like rape victims, assault victims. And I want to make it really clear that a big part of what we're going to talk about today is not those overt, in-your-face kind of victims. Because I think that this is what I really wanted to talk about was we're, we're all victims at some point. I mean, by definition, victim being a victim is anybody who's harmed, injured, or killed as a result of a crime or accident. But also, also, a victim is someone who has been tricked or duped. Mm. And I think that that's an interesting 
space, right? We know that if you've been raped, you were a victim. If you've been assaulted, you were a victim. If you, you know, we all know that. And you, you know, we, nothing that we do is a direct cause of somebody else's behavior. And I think maybe that's part of this conversation. But there's this other piece that if I've been lied to, then I'm a victim. Yes. And I can go with that. I I absolutely, you know, I'm a trusting person. So I am a victim of that individual's lie because I believed them, right? Yeah. And victim blaming is when we say that somebody else behaved in a way that was somehow generated by our actions or that we somehow contributed to the behavior, right? Kind of like the short skirt piece. That's such an easy way to think about it. Right. A a lot of times, like, I'll find, um, well, I used to do this a lot more than I do now, for sure, because I'm aware of it. But saying, you know, you made me feel this way in an (sighs) argument. And nobody made me feel that way other than myself. Where did you learn that? I don't remember exactly. I think it was this really amazing therapist I had. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I want the sound of angels singing. I'm going to send that wave file. (laughs) You know, and so herein lies, I think the reason that victim blaming gets misconstrued it's and i don't want to say misconstrued i think it's another element of semantics right now let's go let's go back because i want to you know how i like to explain things by demonstrating or giving analogies and i think it's important to let everybody hear what this tiktok creator said yeah. Okay. So let's do that. This is a creator on TikTok. And it's, um, I don't want to really call her out specifically, but I'm just going to play this soundbite. What no one will tell you about narcissists. Here it is. A narcissist can only be in a relationship with someone who's willing to betray themselves. If you're willing to betray yourself, that actually means you're very manipulative. You are willing to do something that's not in your best interest in order to get someone to stay, in order to get someone to be a little bit nicer, in order to get someone to think better of you. Way harsh. And it's kind of a plot twist, right? So we paint narcissists as the bad guy and some real abuse happens and I'm not belittling that. Everyone has their own experience. I'm not speaking to that. I'm speaking to the fact that everyone's pointing at the narcissist saying they're a bad guy when they wouldn't even be able to do those things if someone wasn't trying to manipulate them in the first place by being insincere in order to get them to stay. All right. Now, that's a, that's a one-minute video. 
Right. And she and she does say at the end, this is a complex issue more than what can be posted in one minute. Yes. Which is which is very true. The part that everybody objected to was when she said, You are manipulating the victim is manipulating the narcissist. Right. Well, when I first listened to that, I thought immediately, I feel like a lot of times people in those relationships don't know what's going on for a long time. And to me, that just seems very, her her argument just seemed very premeditated. Like, you know what you're doing, you're complicit. And I, I just... I just have this feeling like, do people even know that they're with a narcissist for a while? Like, do people even know that's what's going on? Oh, precisely. You did have a good therapist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's exactly the point. That when we use the word manipulation, it does imply intent. Right. Right? The problem, I mean, she's not technically on the periphery she is not wrong there is a behavior that so so when a narcissist does their over manipulation right a narcissist says well i can go find somebody else if you're not going to do it right so what happens is that generates deep-rooted fears in the victim. And the victim then, stemming from this deep-rooted fear of being alone, being left, being unworthy, whatever the fear is, that fear drives a corresponding behavior. Now, generally, that's a codependent behavior. And I, you know, again, it's un it's unconscious, right? Like you just said, it's an unaware behavior. Okay. Now, I want to make it really clear that there's a really good chance that my ex-husband is a narcissist. I'm not going to diagnose him. Our marriage counselor said he was a narcissist. But what I do is I can look back at that 15-year relationship. For example, he said, if you ever get fat, I'll leave you. So, so he said that, and I then, who at the time, and I wasn't a therapist then, but at the time, I had self-esteem issues. So I'm like, well, I can't get fat because I need him to love me. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I engaged in pretty unhealthy behaviors as a, in an effort to not get fat. Jeez. So is that... So did I manipulate because I wasn't true to myself? Was that manipulation? I didn't even know I wasn't being true to myself. All I, right. I, didn't, I didn't know at the time how wounded I was. Yeah. Right? I didn't have an awareness of low self-esteem or abandonment and how abandonment drove my behavior. I didn't have an awareness of that. Right. So... I cannot abide by this idea that I somehow directly manipulated him 
not to leave me. And I think that's where she really went off the hilt, right? Yeah. Now, so there's another guy and she ended up duetting him, if you're familiar with TikTok. And I I want to play this one too. So this is Levi on TikTok. You teach people how to treat you. You are not responsible for the way that they choose to treat you, but you are responsible for your boundaries, your values, your self-defense, and your enforcement of consequences. If you leave the door to your home open and unlocked, you could trust and hope that friends and strangers won't come inside and steal and destroy. But if and when that happens and it continues to happen and you just continue to repair and replace with no consequences without starting to lock your door or take responsibility for your side of things, at some point kind of maybe sort of is your responsibility. Their toxic, abusive, deceptive, manipulative behaviors are not your fault, but you are not respecting, protecting and loving your space and it is time to learn how. And only a victim will call that victim blaming, but wait, was that gaslighting? There's no winning the blame game. Take responsibility. So I think that that is right on, spot on. Yes. However, <laughs> I want to caveat that an unaware person will not be able to hear that. No. And even it's important i think to remember even if someone if even if you leave your front door unlocked and all your windows open and someone comes in and steals from your house they're still wrong absolutely absolutely yeah i mean like they're still wrong you shouldn't you know we shouldn't have to i guess lock our doors right i mean we live in an imperfect world but it's still wrong Yes. 100% full stop. Still wrong. Yes. And he's not saying that. What he's saying is that if you continue to leave your door unlocked and you continue to feel attacked because somebody comes in, it never means that it's okay. But what it does mean is that you didn't take steps to protect yourself. Well, yeah. And that, that should feel empowering to everybody that if we do our due diligence, there are things that we can do to protect ourselves. We're not just totally floating around at the mercy of how other people treat us. Yes. And I think that, oh, I can hear people saying, but I shouldn't have to worry about protecting myself. And yet that's not the world we live in, right? No, that's that's completely pie in the sky as far as I'm concerned. That's just right. That's just not reality. So you're right. In a, a perfect world, none of us would have to lock our doors. Everybody is trustworthy. But that's not the reality. And yeah. so as much as that that doesn't make us victim blaming, that doesn't say, hey, if I lock my door, it's so that I it's when I, if I lock my door, it's so that I'm standing up for my, I'm taking precautions to honor my stuff. Right. So if you have been treated badly, and let's just say, I mean, narcissists at the very least 
are liars. Right. Right. I could say that, you know, my sister was a pathological liar. She never represented her true self to me. Mm. Am I a victim of that? I was. I believed her. And so because I believed her and I got duped, I was a victim of her lies. By definition, I was a victim of her lies. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, if I discover the lies and I fail to set boundaries, then I can be a victim again. But at that point, I'm a victim by design and my own design. Of course. Yeah. And that's not me blaming myself. That's me taking responsibility. And and I want to really get that point out there. And you can't say this in a stinking minute. So TikTok was by far the the wrong place to try to have this discussion. Yeah. But I really want to say that again. If I discover the deception and I allow it to continue, then I am victimizing myself. Okay? Yeah, because you're just putting yourself up to be hurt over and over again. And that's not a very kind thing to do. Right. It's not kind. Now, a couple of people have said, well, if I'm an empath, then that means that I have hope. That I, that I want to give people the second chance that I think, or if I'm a fixer, yes, that's what all that means. Right, right. But when an empath, when a fixer, when someone filled with hope continually allows themselves to be violated emotionally, it's, a, it's an example of not having boundaries. Yeah. And I was just going to say that, that it's, you know, we're not saying, uh, at least I, I wouldn't think this for myself. If you discover something, you know, that just means you're going to instantly put a stop to it. And, and from that point on, fool me once, shame on you. Like from that point on, everything is going to be fixed. I think because I fall into the fixer category, it feels better to me to cautiously proceed and giving someone a second chance or a third chance. But as you said, that doesn't mean that there are no boundaries in place and it doesn't mean, mean that I'm not fully aware. Yeah. And I would say that many years ago, there was, you know, if I can, if I can share and go back to some of our early discussions, yours and mine, yeah, yeah. there was no caution going forward. It was just this, I'm, going to fix this. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to help this person. And consequently there was hurt over and over and over again, because, because it, I mean, they treated you badly. Right. Right. Now they treated you badly. And when you were unaware, that's, you're now a victim. Right. When you were aware, you are still technically a victim but the responsibility for setting those boundaries is not theirs it's yours because you're the only one that can can do that 
Yeah. And they like what they're doing. They're not going to set a boundary. Yeah. And, you know, I, in my mind, I can hear all these people saying, but they're the ones behaving badly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. But you can't control that. And it doesn't, it doesn't stop by definition making you a victim. You are a victim because they're, retre- they're treating you badly. Yeah. But sometimes I'll say it like this. There's being a victim and then there's feeling like a victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And when somebody is a victim, you don't have to feel like a victim. No. no. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Yes, completely. Yeah. I had a client several years ago who was married to a narcissist. I mean, he he scheduled the first appointment. And he said, now I'm just trying to find somebody for my wife because she has control issues and she needs somebody to help her. And I'm, so I'm kind of interviewing people so that, so that, uh, you know, she has somebody to talk to and somebody, you know, to fix her. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) And she came in, I mean, I, you know, obviously I just sat there and listened and she came in and I'm thinking they're going to need couples counseling. Right. And after listening, I realized that she needed narcissistic abuse counseling. Yeah. He was, I mean, the audacity of somebody to come in and say, I'm interviewing people for my wife. Talk about freaking control issues. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And you know, if you find a narcissist, you probably do find somebody that has in their periphery that has quote unquote control issues because there's this constant sensation of not feeling safe. Yeah. And so people with any level of intelligence are going to try to create not even intelligence, but just this automatic response of trying to create a sense of safety. And so you kind of do go into quote unquote control mode. So it's not uncommon to find a codependent with a narcissist, right? To be honest, it's not uncommon to find a codependent in a lot of victim places because Codependents are often trusting. They they grew up probably very used to being emotionally abused. Think about it. If you were raised by an alcoholic parent, they're probably not nice to you very much. And so you grow up with this distorted sense of what does it feel like to be quote unquote loved. Right. And it's and it's misguided. So are, you're a victim of that person. Did you do anything to be treated that way? No, of course not. Of course not. And as a kid, you can't. You can't. You have no power, right? As a kid, right. you have no power. Very little power. 
If you marry a narcissist and you have this broken sense of esteem or you have this distorted idea of love, it's not your fault. In a, by pure definition, one might say, well, you married them, (laughs) right? Sure. But I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that when I married a narcissist, I thought I was getting something very different than what I got. Yeah. And so when somebody says, well, you, you know, you married him. I mean, and, oh, you really want to hear? So Bill and I were engaged after two weeks. Oh my gosh. I don't think I knew that. Not very many people do. Two weeks. Now, I probably should explain a little bit of this, which might, we probably could have a whole podcast about what not to do. But in that two weeks time, I want to just say I was a single mom. I was struggling emotionally, financially. I was, I was struggling and I was lonely and I wanted a family. And this man appeared in my life and he dumped a ton of money. He took me out for very expensive meals. He sent me flowers every single day after we met. Wow. Every single day. He, so what he did was something called love bombing. And I fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. We were on the phone maybe four or five hours a day in that two weeks. And I remember saying to my friend, I think he's going to ask me to marry him. And she said, well, what would you say? And I said, well, I would, I don't want to say no, but who in their right mind gets engaged after two weeks. Right. (laughs) And so sure enough, he did. He asked me to marry him and he presented me with a one and a half carat diamond, which in the eighties was unheard of. Right. And he brought a bottle of Dom Perignon. He, I mean, he just, and here I was this single mom living in this tiny little one bedroom apartment. And I was seduced. I was completely and totally seduced and fair disclosure. I was not a therapist. Yeah, sure. Right. I was not psychologically aware of any of my shit. (laughs) Yes, but this is what makes you a good therapist because you have a lot of experience. (laughs) Well, and, you know, I think if I'd been aware, I would have seen him coming from a mile away. I would not have, I wouldn't have been able to be seduced, right? Right. You know, it's kind of like, think about the other scams that are out there right now, like hot men. Getting on social media or pictures of hot men from social media DMing older women. Yeah. Right. An older, lonely women. And this is so prevalent right now. And they say, hey, baby, you know, you are sexy. I could use a cougar, blah, 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 blah. And hey, you know, they build this relationship over instant message or direct message. And then they ask for a hundred bucks. Right. Yeah. And then they keep building this relationship and then they ask for 500 bucks. 
And these older, lonely women who are vulnerable, who who are trusting souls, who are desperate for companionship, especially by some hot dude. Yeah. Right? And they get duped. Mm. Now, what happened is they trusted. Right? And they're a victim of that. But today, if I got a DM from somebody like that, as a matter of fact, I don't even follow back hot guys who follow me. It's just, you know, there might be two pictures on their profile. I have two messages sitting in my Instagram account right now of people who want to message me. And they're pretty hot. But I'm a 60-year-old fat chick. I am not going to, some hot guy is not going to be DMing me for pleasure. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Well, you know, the old adage, if it seems too good to be true, probably is. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah. (laughs) So at that point, if I succumb to that, is it his fault? Or is it, do I have to take some responsibility there? Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's kind of a good example because as much as I, you know, as much as you don't want to blame the victim, like there are some pretty obvious things that I think we should take responsibility for. And that that's just, I don't know. That's just life. Like we, we just should know to look out for certain things. Of course, you know, if it, my husband's grandmother was, she fell for some scheme that wasn't, had nothing to do with like relationship, but someone had called her and basically said that my husband was in trouble and, you know, and so she gave some money to them. Mm -hmm. Really terribly sad. But in that instance, like, I don't expect her to know because she's just completely unaware about stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But you are aware, right? Like you, you know, and, and you wouldn't fall for that or you wouldn't fall for the other, you know, hey, I need a cougar type of situation. Right, right. So, yeah, I definitely think there are some situations where we just need to say, yeah, I I should know better. Yeah, and I mean, how do we learn if we don't, and we're always talking about this. I hope, I mean, maybe we need to rebrand our podcast because (laughs) we are totally always talking about self-awareness, personal responsibility. And... When you do the best you can, I accept that. And, you know, I wasn't aware 25 years ago, but, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about if I'm driving down the interstate and I'm staying in my lane and I look down at my phone or the GPS or whatever, and somebody comes across my lane and I don't swerve in time. Am I fully at fault or am I fully a victim or do I need to take some responsibility for not being attentive enough to be defensive? Right. Right. Now, it's not my fault that that guy came across the lane. I would never say that was your fault. Right. But I do think we have to honor the fact and we have to be honest that I wasn't paying attention. Now, that doesn't 
That's not victim blaming no. in my book. Right? I wasn't paying attention. And that's what this guy Levi is, you know, is saying. If you're not paying attention, then you must take responsibility for that. Yeah. You know, if you're not self-aware, you have to take responsibility for that. It still doesn't make, it doesn't change the fact that this guy came across the lanes and that he wasn't driving well. Yeah. And that he slammed into you. You are a victim of that by definition. But you must also understand that you must take responsibility for not being a defensive driver. Yeah. Would it change the outcome? I don't know. But nobody will. If you don't take responsibility, there might be a next time if you don't. And that's all I'm saying. Yeah. So what's our try this at home? So again, our try this at home is make it your mission to become self-aware. Understand why do I allow people to treat me badly? Go back and listen to boundaries. We talk about boundaries so much. Read Dr. Henry Cloud's book, Boundaries. Understand what that means. Grow your self-esteem. Take a look at Kristen Neff's website on at the University of Texas in Austin. She does amazing work when it comes to self-esteem. And... Don't allow yourself to be victimized beyond the event that occurred. Right. You know, take the time that you need to heal because it hurts when you're a victim. You need to take the time. You, need, you do need to take time to heal. But then forgive yourself. and redirect right reform the vision and keep going and go back to that understand that nobody makes us and we've talked about this this topic too nobody makes us when somebody behaves it generates feelings in us and we engage in a behavior Nobody made us trust them. We trust it because that's who we are. Nobody, if I sit back and I think about my husband didn't make me um, engage in unhealthy behaviors, I made that decision. I'm in charge of my life. I engaged in those behaviors because I was desperate for his love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, that's another podcast. but. <laughs> when it's not that somebody makes you it's that somebody does something and it generates a need in you to behave so by definition that's it is one definition of make but they're not forcing you nobody forced me to be unhealthy right right so that's our that is our i know that's my soapbox for today <laughs> That is our, our try this at home. You know, it's awareness, understanding, growth. Always shoot for those things. I love it.
All right. So that is our discussion for today. And as always, we're super grateful that you took the time to listen to us. And for now, this is Leslie and Leslin, hoping you will try this at home. All perspectives and opinions expressed during this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health professional.